Good morning. Glad you're here. I uh, hope hope everybody had a good Thanksgiving celebration. Um, for many of us, holiday movies are just as much of the Christmas celebration as decor- decorating the tree. I don't know about you, but um, it is for our family. In fact, we always have a Hallmark movie going on as Cindy is decorating the tree. She does such a great job that I just watch and admire her work on that. How many of us here have already watched a, a Christmas movie or a holiday movie? Okay, not bad. I'm raising my hand. How many have watched a Hallmark movie? Okay, you may not want to admit. I, I have as well. Now, that, that's, I'm secure in my manhood, okay? I've just admitted to the group here that I've watched a Hallmark movie already. Over the last several years, uh, since 2011, actually, we've done a box office wisdom series uh, in the summer. Uh, the goal of the series is to compare the message of the blockbuster movies with the message of the Bible. Uh, movies are an, they're actually an important source of uh, the ideas that we collect as they imprint on our hearts the ideas that they contain. So doing the series, the Box Office Wisdom series in the summer, helps us to learn how to filter the ideas and stories of our culture through the Bible. We didn't do the series this summer because we were waiting for this series that I've really been looking forward to. Um, we're, we're not going to compare and contrast so much the messages of the movies, um, but what we're going to do is track the themes that we see at Christmas time and and show how they come out of the original Christmas story. So there are two parallel Christmas stories that are mixed into many of our celebrations. One is traditional story of Santa and his elves, which is more widely celebrated. The other is historical and spiritual. Uh, it celebrates the birth of Jesus Christ as God's ultimate gift to the world, and that's more narrowly celebrated. In our Christmas Classics version, what we're going to do is look at the intersection of these two stories and talk about why there are such strong themes that run through the Christmas celebration and run through both stories. We'll, we'll see them in both stories. We'll, we'll see how the spiritual reality of Christmas has, and the historical reality of Jesus' birth has impacted the traditional story that's told in our culture. So I'm, I'm looking forward to this. this. This ought to be. And I'd encourage you to just enjoy it. Okay? Just try to enjoy it. Sometimes, you know, we don't know how to take what shows up on the screen and things, but let's enjoy this together. A couple of the movies that we'll look at are on the Rotten Tomatoes list of the 25 best Christmas movies of all time. Uh, we're even going to talk about the number one movie on that list, and you can take your own guess as to what that is. Um, however, after, after all the talk of Christmas, today's movie is a Thanksgiving movie, which I think is appropriate since we just celebrated Thanksgiving. And even though it's a Thanksgiving movie, I'm going to bring us back to how Christmas impacts uh, the story that we see. 
uh, feel free, like I said, to laugh or cry along with the movie scenes we watch together. I've really enjoyed preparing for this series because I have to watch all the movie scenes, and they, they crack me up, some of them. Um, this, this movie that we're looking at today, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, it's not a Christmas movie. It's not on the 25 best list, but it is a 93% rating on Rotten Tomatoes. That's extremely high. So this is a very popular movie. Um, I wouldn't recommend going home and watching this movie with your kids. It has a good message, but it's edgy, and there's some language I, I will not condone. So I'm not recommending that you watch this movie, but uh, the, the message is really good, and let's watch the trailer together. During holiday travel, some people get delirious. Some get delayed. And some get <laughs> Del Griffin. American Light and Fixture, Director of Sales, Shower Curtain Ring Division. Neil Page got all three. I was on my way home to spend a nice holiday with my family. Instead, I'm in a motel bed with a stranger. So instead of Thanksgiving with his family, he's spending three days with the turkey. <laughs> Two happy clams just whistling down the road. Flintstones, meet the Flintstones, and a family. Paramount Pictures presents... Steve Martin. Ever been to Hawaii? Yeah. You see John Ho while you were there? You see the second show. That's the best one. Is that right? Yeah. John Candy. <laughs> Planes, trains, and automobiles. So there you go. That's quick overview of what's going on. Neil Page is trying to get home to his family for Thanksgiving. He just happens to end up in the same cab with Dale Griffin. Uh, Neil Page is Steve Martin. Dale Griffin is John Candy. And Dale Griffin is incredibly annoying. <laughs> he is. Uh, they end up on quite an adventure as flights are delayed. They try many modes of transportation to get home. Buses, trains, planes, automobiles. Um, to say the least, Neil doesn't bear with Dell's quirks graciously. Um, not in any way, shape, or form. So what we're going to talk about today, I thought this would be a great launching point for our series during the holiday season, because all of us have people who make it harder to be gracious toward. Uh, they may have annoying habits, or they could be quirky in the way they relate, or maybe we just don't mesh with them. The question we're going to address in this message today is, how can I relate to them in a way that pleases God? How is it? Where, where do I get the oomph to be gracious? And, and how do we do that? It's an important question for those who follow Jesus because Christ followers are commanded to be forbearing. The command to be forbearing shows up in many places in the Bible, <clears throat> but we're going to focus at first today on a passage written by the Apostle Paul to an early church in Ephesus, which is in modern-day Turkey. Ephesians 4, 1 through 3 says, I therefore, a prisoner for the Lord, urge you to walk in a manner worthy of the calling to which you have been called, with all 
humility, and gentleness with patience, bearing with one another in love. That's the forbearance. Eager to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The definition of forbearance in the Greek language, which the New Testament was originally written in Greek, it's very helpful to know. It literally means to hold up against a thing and so to bear with. Now, what happens when someone irritates you or frustrates you or annoys you? You want to detach and disconnect. You want to pull away from them. But here we're commanded to bear with others in love and refuse to detach and disconnect. Now, how do we pull that off? That's what we're looking at today. In addition, we learn here that bearing with one another in love is a core part of walking in a manner worthy of our calling as followers of Christ. So we've been called to this. This this is something that we do. It's at the very core of who Jesus wants us to be as Christ followers. Now, a native reflex of human beings when challenged to live up to any standard is to muscle up and aim to accomplish that through self-effort. That that's that's a normal reflex. However, it's Incredibly counterproductive to try to be forbearing through self-effort alone. I know this because I've tried. And when I try it, 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 it fails. In a few minutes, we're going to discover the source of forbearance for a Christ follower. But before we go there, I'd, I'd like you to notice something important in this passage. There are two atti- attitudes, and these are specifically attitudes that set the stage for forbearance, humility and gentleness. Practically, humility is an attitude of deference. It means to treat others as more important than ourselves. Even even though we know we're equal, we're all equal, every person on the face of the earth is equal before God. We have the same value before him. But when you choose humility, it literally means to put yourself under others. You put their interests and ahead of your own, and you defer to them. So with an attitude of humility, there's an absence of pride and arrogance. And, and in fact, if you look at the Webster's definition of, of humility, it that's it, it, one of the definitions is there's no pride. So, so humility is really important if we're going to set the stage for uh, forbearance. When someone is annoying me, I don't know about you, but I can struggle with pride. And maybe you do too. The knee jerkers think they should know better than to do that. What is their problem? Why in the world would they think that's okay? We put ourselves in a category of better human being when we do that because we just aren't quirky and irritating like they are. Through the course of my lifetime, I've learned that I'm quirky and irritating to someone out there and people that are probably too kind to tell me. 
how quirky and irritating I am. We need, though, a go-to source to help with processing the irritations. Now, so humility it sort of sets the, the, it's the staging ground. Staging ground is when you're going to go on a journey, you have a staging area, wagon, trains. They used to have a staging area where they bring all the stuff they were going to load into the wagons, and then they would sort out and figure out. Humility is key staging ground. The second key is an attitude of gentleness, which in the Greek language that this was written in, it's the exact opposite of harshness. It flows out of humility. And we're told to add patience to these, which means long-suffering. So we're willing to suffer with the people around us and their quirks, their irritations, their annoyances. These attitudes set the stage for bearing with others over the long haul. They are the staging ground. In Planes, Trains, and Automobiles movie, Neil Page blows up on Dale Griffin, Griffith big time. Um, let's watch his, this, this scene, and can you identify with this? You're no saint. You've got a free cab. You've got a free room. And someone who'll listen to your boring stories. I mean, didn't you, didn't you notice on the plane when you started talking, eventually I started reading the vomit bag? Didn't that give you some sort of clue, like, hey, maybe this guy's not enjoying it? You know, everything is not an anecdote. You have to discriminate. You choose things that are, that are funny or, or mildly amusing or interesting. You're a miracle. Your stories have none of that. They're not even amusing accidentally. Honey, I'd, li- I'd like you to meet Del Griffith. He's got some amusing anecdotes for you. Oh, and here's a gun so you can blow your brains out. You'll thank me for it. <sighs> I-, I-, I could tolerate any-, any insurance seminar. For days, I could sit there and listen to them go on and on with a big smile on my face. And I'd say, how can you stand it? And I'd say, because I've been with Del Griffith. I can take anything. That, that just makes you cringe. really does. It continues from there. I cut it off at a certain point. Very hurtful to take that path of harshness, the opposite of gentleness. Very, very hurtful. Did you see the look on Dale's face? I've seen that look on people's face when I've talked to them, when I've done something similar. When I'm annoyed... And irritated with others, the thought comes to mind, what is your problem? Why in the world are you acting that way? What, what are you thinking? What is the deal? It's very helpful to remember that people do actually have problems. <laughs> there, there's likely stuff they're going through. There's likely a reason in their own personal history that, is a source of the quirks and the annoying habits and the irritations. Understanding and knowing a person's backstory increases your ability to love people and bear with them. The truth is, all of us have problems. We can all be annoying at times. If, if we give people the tongue lashing they deserve, that we think they deserve, they don't deserve it, but we think they do, what what? 
does God think about that? What, what does he think? What, what if he gave us the tongue lashing that we deserve? I Honestly, I shudder to think about that. I, that, that just, wow. That would be quite a tongue lashing for me. What about you? We need a source to go to to help us bear with others, and here it is. Forbearance flows from God's grace to us. I'd like to read through a passage that gives some real perspective and help for choosing the humility and gentleness we need to bear with others. It, it lays out how we are made worthy. It says we're commanded in Ephesians 4 to walk worthy, and this passage lays out how we are made worthy by the grace of God. It's not something we earn. And it reveals the source we can draw on to grow in forbearance. It's found in a letter the Apostle Paul wrote to the church in Rome during the first century. Uh, Romans three twenty-one and 22, the first part of that verse says, But now the righteousness of God has been manifested apart from the law. Although the law and prophets bear witness to it, the Old Testament writings, they bear witness to this, the righteousness of God through faith in Jesus Christ for all who believe. Here we learn how God has made us worthy to be a Christian. Notice it says that the righteousness of God has been manifested, which means to unveil a plan clearly and in detail. This has all been laid out for us. Apart from the law. Now, people have a reflex to try to make up for bad deeds by doing good. I think every person that I've ever met has this reflex. We, we aim to, you know, if we do wrong then we immediately start trying to figure out, what do I need to do to make up for it? That's a natural human reflex. We want to balance the scales of wrongdoing by our own self-effort. It's a humbling thing to realize there is nothing we can do to earn a right standing before God. That is, that is humbling. By His grace and mercy... God has done everything we needed him to do in order to give us a right standing with himself if we decide to accept what he's done. This is crucial for understanding our own salvation and for being able to draw from the limitless well of forbearance that God provides. Let's move on through Romans 3. For there is no distinction... For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God and are justified by his grace as a gift through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God put forward as a propitiation by his blood to be received by faith. Basically, everyone on earth has sinned. And fallen short of God's ideal standard for living. That's what Paul's saying here. For there is no distinction. We're all on equal ground before him. We are all justified by his grace as a gift. 
You don't earn a gift. It's given by grace. This is what Christmas is all about. God sent Jesus Christ to pay the price for our sin that separated us from God. Jesus is a propitiation. Now, we don't normally, I I bet you didn't use that word all week. (laughs) Propitiation. Um, That that word literally means, it, it is the means by which sins are forgiven. That's what propitiation means. And this verse tells us, he put forward, God put Jesus forward as a propitiation by his blood. It was his death on the cross that paid the price for our sins. Is this an amazing thing that God has done for us? He he has been so gracious toward us. Let's keep going. This was to show God's righteousness because in his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. It was to show his righteousness at the present time so that he might be just and the justifier of the one who has faith in Jesus. Now, this is, this is the only way that God could, could work out justice. He is just. He will not violate his own character in working out a plan. So what his plan that was manifested in Jesus Christ, that was unveiled in Jesus Christ, was so his plan was that he himself would become a man in the person of Jesus Christ. He would live a perfect life. And he would give himself for us so that we could be forgiven. That is grace. (laughs) None of us could earn that. God has been forbearing toward us. He has been patient with the entire human race. The first man and woman decided to rebel against God's leadership in their life. They wanted to try life independent of him. And every person since... The first two have done the same, except Jesus Christ. There is no distinction. In God's eyes, we have no right to put ourselves above anyone else. We're all on equal ground before him. God put his plan for redemption in place immediately after the first couple sinned. In his divine forbearance, he had passed over former sins. This plan was centuries in the making. It was very clear at the outset in Genesis 3, the very beginning of the Bible, there, there was a hint of it. But it progressively became more and more clear over time. And the details were clear until they were unveiled in the person of Jesus Christ. Jesus was born to live and die to pay for our sins. All of this means that we have no ground for pride, which is the opposite of humility, and an attitude that leads to self-righteous tongue lashings. 
is what it is. Um, the source of being able to bear with others, uh, the source of fair forbearance is God himself. We, we go back to him. We must remind ourselves daily of God's patience toward us. We're not above anyone else. We're all on equal ground. We have all sinned and fall short of God's glory. Christ followers know their righteousness is not something they've earned. It's a gift from God through the death of Jesus Christ, his son. If, if we aim to be worthy through our own efforts, we'll be self-righteous and judgmental and tend to look down on the people who irritate us, who are quirky, have their annoying habits and ways. We can walk worthy, though, because we have been made worthy by Jesus Christ. It's not our own doing. So we can't even take pride in walking worthy because of what he's done. This is our general backstory as human beings. And it's important to remember that we all have this same general backstory. But some of us have a personal history that has marked us deeply. And many deal with that history in various ways, many counterproductive ways. And the way we've dealt with things has created annoyances and quirks in the way we relate. No one is quirk-free. <laughs> None of us. <laughs> At the end of the movie, Planes, Trains, and Automobiles, you learn something important about Del Griffith. You discover an important piece of his backstory. Let's watch this scene together. said you were going home. What are you doing here? I, uh, I don't have a home. Marie's been dead for eight years. takes Dale home for Thanksgiving. That's the way it, it all wraps up. But Dale Griffith's been talking about getting home to his wife. We're sort of hinting at it. He never actually out come, comes out and says he's going home for Thanksgiving to his wife, but he talks about her a lot. And then you find out she's, she died eight years ago. So Neil invites Dale to his home to enjoy the holiday. Happy ending. Except for the part where you learn about his wife dying eight years ago. That was rough. Uh, the next time you get annoyed and irritated with someone, ask God to help you grow in understanding and patience. A aim to grow in forbearance in two ways. First, remind yourself, I'm a member of the human race. 
that has been forgiven by the God who made me. He didn't have to do that. He made us. It's right to do what pleases him. He certainly didn't need to die for us. He's shown an amazing level of forbearance and patience with us. Second, realize that the people you relate to every day have a backstory. They've gone through a lot in life. None of us escape trouble. For a Christ follower, knowing someone's backstory should generate compassion and grace since we are commanded to bear with others the way God has been forbearing with us. And, and even if not, uh, if we don't know their backstory, we can assume they have a backstory. If someone is quirky and annoying and they easily irritate you, ask God to help you see them the way he does. They are incredibly valuable in his eyes. He made them, and Jesus died for them. That was his plan. All people have a high value in the eyes of God, and he has paid a very high price to forgive anyone who turns to him and asks to be forgiven. We, as Christ followers, we can be a river of grace to others that find its source in the grace God has given us. As I wrap up today, I want to encourage you to take a next step. On the back side of the connection card, uh, there are some next steps in the left-hand box. Uh, I encourage you to take one of these next steps this week. My next step today is to choose an attitude of humility and gentleness toward others. Maybe someone's come to mind. Um, We've all just been through a holiday with family. (laughs) And so maybe somebody comes to mind that you... Need to, maybe you even need to ask God to forgive you for the way you've related to them or ask the person to forgive you if you've shown any outward uh, struggle or harshness. Um, a second next step would be to respond to God's offer to forgive your sins by committing your life to follow him as Lord for the first time. On the right-hand side, if you have questions about how to do that or what that means, uh, on the right-hand side of the back of the connection card, there's, there's a place where you can say, contact me about meeting up with someone to clarify what it means to commit my life to Christ. We, we'd love to meet with you and help you sort through that. And then a final step would be to come back and attend uh, Church in the Valley for the rest of this series. We'd love to have you back. Would you pray with me? Father, we thank you for your goodness and kindness to us. You have been so patient and really humble and gentle. You have, you have been forbearing uh, over a long period of time. We honor you for that. We thank you for your grace that you are willing to pour into our hearts and lives as we trust you, give our lives to you. And I pray that, Lord, you would help us step out and do what you've laid on our hearts to do. Take these next steps and give us the strength to do them. In the name of Jesus Christ, amen.